Nation. Uh, we're going to bring you a, uh, a game preview for this week. Um, we got uh, Virginia Tech versus State Thursday night under the lights, uh, ESPN primetime uh, from Carter Finley. Uh, we've brought on Dan Caro. Is that, I got your name right there? Caro. 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 <laughs> no, that's close. Sorry. Um, well, we got Dan here f- to cover Virginia Tech. Um, and then what um I, I, we we reached out to a couple and I apologize. Which uh, who are you? Who do you uh, cover with? Yeah, I cover Virginia Tech football and basketball. I do it on my blog, which is treadmillhorse.com, and I'm on Twitter, which is at treadmillhorse. Cool, cool. And we'll make sure we put all that stuff into the description. So, any state fans that are interested in following some tech stuff, and then just like you know, I'm sure we'll have some Virginia Tech fans following this one, so they'll want to give you a follow out on all of your socials. But uh. Let's just go ahead and jump into it. Uh, right now, both uh, teams are coming off of a bye, um, and um, um, both teams are coming off of a loss, I think, right? Yeah, we, we lost to Miami. In the Miami, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, so we lost to, we lost to uh, Syracuse, obviously. Um, it wasn't the way we wanted it. You know, we lost our quarterback, um, Devin Leary, um, of course, but uh, – we had a lot of guys not playing that game as well. We're kind of banged up in a lot of places, and we'll get to that later in the episode. But we'll jump into uh, Virginia Tech and their season so far. You guys, uh, you know, obviously to call it a rebuild is probably an understatement. Uh, you got your first-year head coach, Brent Pry, coming in from uh, Penn State, where I believe he was the defense coordinator. Is that is that correct? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so just kind of just talk to us a little bit about, you know, your thoughts, your initial thoughts on Brent Pry, and then we'll talk about a little bit how the season's going for you guys in, in your in your words. So uh, go ahead, please. Yeah, I mean, Brent Pry's got a massive rebuild on his hands in Blacksburg. Um, I think, like, culture, culturally, he's the right fit. Um, he follows, like, that Frank Beamer model, like, where the team's going to be built on defense and special teams, like, very defense-focused. Um, and then, like, on offense, you just want to have a hard-nosed running game. Uh, we brought over Joe Rudolph, who was the O-line coach at Wisconsin. So I think the goal here is, like, run the ball really well, play defense, and basically, like, keep it a low-scoring game, keep the, cl- keep the clock running, and win a lot of games with your defense. And that was a model that Frank Beamer ran for a lot of years, and it worked really well. Absolutely. Uh, Fuente was a massive departure from that, and that clearly didn't work well at all. So, like, he's trying to get back to our roots. Um, and what he inherited is, like, a big, big roster issue after Fuente left. Like, Fuente's best recruits left town. Like, if you are if you follow college football at all, you know that Hendon Hooker mm-hmm. <laughs> is doing great things over at Tennessee. Yeah. Um, he was a Justin Fuente recruit. It didn't work out at Virginia Tech, so he transferred over to Tennessee. Um, Jalen Hyatt, it was, was one time a Virginia Tech commit. He's doing great things at Tennessee too. So like there's a lot of players across the country who used to be former Virginia Tech players that are doing great things. There were Justin Fuente recruits where it didn't work out here for one reason or another. They left the program and now we're down to like, <laughs> we're down to a very bare bones roster and we're, we're trying to do the best that we can with it. Yeah. Um, you guys are definitely short, shorthanded in a lot of areas. And then, um, I'm sure there's some injury attrition going on too, as many teams are going through at this time of the year, but I guess maybe in just a couple of sentences, um, what do you think went wrong with the Justin Fuente era? Uh, I mean, there was a lot of expectation, a lot of hype. Um, he had done some great things with Memphis. 
Um, you know, do you think he was there long enough? You think he got a fair shake? You know, kind of what was your what's your the feelings on that? Because he wasn't there long. No, I think I actually think he was there too long. Like I think if like hindsight being twenty twenty, I think he was probably there two years too long. I think you could see like the signs kind of early on that it was trending in the wrong direction. Uh, but Virginia Tech with like like the the legacy of Frank Beamer, they like to give their coaches like plenty of time to get going. Sure. I think we probably gave him too much time. Um, and the, the challenges there were just like, he actually recruited. Okay. I was kind of okay with the way he recruited. The thing is like player development wasn't very good. Um, and then like on top of player development, not being very good, like the best players he couldn't keep in the program, like the best players ended up transferring. Right. Yeah. Um, so between those two things, I was a big problem. And then another, another big problem that he had is, he wanted to basically recruit anywhere but the state of Virginia. Like the best recruits in the state of Virginia went went elsewhere, mm-hmm. and like Virginia Tech's bread and butter for seven, a very five, seven. long time is seven five seven. Recruit yep. the state of Virginia, recruit Richmond, yep. Yep. recruit like the the DC area. He moved yep. very far away from that. He was recruiting out in Texas. He was recruiting all over the place except in the state of Virginia. Um, yep. All the combination of all those things uh, led. Uh, to Justin Fuente eventually getting fired and Brett Pry coming in. Yeah, you talk about the 757. That's where I grew up. I went to high school down in that area. And, you know, I'm pretty much a lifelong Virginia resident myself. So, you know, I, I have an, you know, a, a good, um, you know, knowledge of, of Virginia Tech. I've got a couple of friends whose kids go to Tech either um, just, you know, um, going to school there. And I've got a couple that are on the team. Uh, so, you know, I, I kind of follow them, you know, secondary, if you will, from obviously NC State. But the one thing that, you know, and we'll talk about this for a minute, is the expectations for Virginia Tech since they've come in the ACC. You know, the ACC was was really uh, banging the drum and hoping that, you know, the, the Virginia Techs, the Boston Colleges, the Miamis, and even to a degree Syracuse would help, you know, lift up the statue, the statue of the ACC football. And that just kind of really hasn't happened except for maybe a couple of years early on. Um, kind of what are your thoughts about Virginia Tech and the ACC and then ACC football as a whole? Uh, for some reason, like, I think that when Virginia Tech got into the ACC, um, I feel like they felt like they made it. Like, the program's like, oh, we, fi- we finally have a conference home. Yeah. We're feeling good. And I feel like the Virginia Tech football program got, like, they didn't, like, make the ACC like them. The AC- they got Their program got turned into what all the other ACC programs were. Um, when Virginia Tech initially came in, they were like a really hard nosed team. Mm-hmm. Like they came from like that bit, that really tough Big East feel with like Miami and West Virginia when West Virginia was good. And then they kind of like just turned into another middle of the road ACC team over time. Yeah. Uh, part of that was because of like Frank Beamer, like obviously he started getting close to retirement age and things started slipped a little bit. bit yeah. Yeah. And then. Obviously, the Justin Fuente era hasn't like never like didn't go the way that everyone thought it would go. Um, so yeah, between those two things, the program's definitely taken a step back, and I think we're we're kind of where we were before Frank Beamer got to Blacksburg. So there's definitely some rebuilding to do here. Yeah, absolutely. What, what, um, um, Michael, you got something? Go for it. What's so? What's from the fan perspective? What's the feeling around Brent Pry's first year? I mean, obviously, we know. It's uh, it's year one, and, it's, and like you said, he does have a big rebuild, and I think a lot of people 
recognize that, but uh, what's the kind of fan perspective around his first year so far? You hear a little bit of everything, like the casual fan that doesn't follow the program really well. Like I've heard comments like, why did we get rid of Justin Fuente when Brent Pry is worse? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wow, that's a, that's a pretty wild comment. It's, uh, it's pretty bold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hot I, I take, think, hot take. <laughs> The fans that follow the program closely, they know that there was major, major, major yeah. roster issues. And yeah. they knew they knew it wasn't going to turn around in like one season, one year, one off season. Like they knew it was going to take probably multiple recruiting classes, probably multiple trips to the transfer portal to turn this thing around. And I think that's just where we are, which is why like a lot of people who follow the program closely, they see – Tech right now at two and five, and they're not they're not super surprised. They're like, yeah, like we, right. we knew it was going to be kind of a rough year. Right. Yeah, and I think to say the season got started in an auspicious way would say the least, right? Like, obviously, you go to Old Dominion and you, and you lose there. Your your coaches get stuck in an elevator. Um, you know, I mean, that's just is like it kind of reminds me of the movie Major League, how that all started off that year. You know, it just. It, it it was just it was a bunch of follies. Was it wasn't the locker room like? Oh yeah. Ba- uh, so they stole stuff out of the locker room or something too. Yeah. Well, as soon as the coaches got stuck in the elevator, I was like, I don't think this night's gonna go the way that. It was gonna go. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I knew it was gonna be a rough night after that. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I mean, obviously, every team struggles in the first game of the year to to depend the season on that, you know, um, you know, but it was just. You lose to little, little brother, right? You're not even like, you know, because everyone would say little brother would be Virginia. And then you get little, little brother, you know, heck, maybe even redheaded stepchild. I don't, I don't even know. But um, you guys go, you guys go on the, uh, um, you go back home to Blacksburg and get a win against Virginia. I mean, excuse me, against Boston College, um, where the offense showed up. I mean, you scored 27 points. Um, your defense, again, has been, has been good. I mean, other than the probably, um, you know, the North Carolina game, the Pitt game, um, the West Virginia game, I thought you guys were, you guys played much better than the score, uh, showed, um, that was a really close game going into the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. but, um, just kind of talk about like, um, th- about the defense a little bit, um, because you said like, that is your bread and butter. And, and again, I think that's, you know, moving forward once state has had the injuries that we've had, um, Obviously, our I thought our defense was going to be a little bit better than our offense, but it's definitely, you know, stepped up a bunch because of the injuries we had. So, just give me your thoughts on your defense, and then um, we'll go from there. It's definitely improved since the past couple of years. Um, I think that's just like bringing Brent Pry in and like bringing mm-hmm. his scheme in, um, bringing like really good defensive coaches in. I think we've gotten back to kind of like that Bud Foster aggressive style. Um, I would say like the deep, like talent wise, we're kind of like middle of the ACC. I would say it's like, um, it's not a super talented defense, but I think the scheme's good. I think the scheme works with the personnel. So I'm like, I've been reasonably happy, uh, with the defense. Like what's happened in those games where we've gotten blown out. It's like the defense is out there forever. Cause the offense yeah. keeps going three and out, three and out, three and out. And then by the time you get to the fourth quarter, like you mentioned in the WVU game, like the defense is just worn out. Yeah, they were and, gassed. Yeah, they just get beat up in the fourth quarter. 
Um, but yeah, like I've been reasonably happy with the defense. The defense is about what I expected with Brian Pry coming in. Like the offense is way worse than I expected. And I knew that there would be talent issues, but like defense is exactly where I expected. Offense yeah. is like off the charts bad. Yeah, and you bring up that fourth quarter, and I kind of alluded to it earlier. And if you look at the stats, the stats definitely bear that out. That your fourth quarter defense, it, it, it's 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 it struggles because to your point, you know, when you're scoring about eighteen points a game, there's not a lot of offensive possessions where you're going to go. And you guys typically run a little tempo, so that obviously doesn't help the defense too. So if you go three and out, it's like a quick three and out, um, especially if you're running the ball two, uh, two out of the three plays and um, you know, you're putting your defense right back out there. But um, um, just how is um, – I, I, I watched um, that West Virginia game that was at home, and obviously Hokie Nation showed out. I think, I think they're a really great fan base. Um, I like to compare them to us a little bit. Um, you know, our schools are very similar – um, with the degree programs and, you know, that type of stuff, more on the tech side and the agricultural side. But other than other than that game, how has the home attendance been this year? Have they have they been patient? Have they been showing up and showing out? Um, you know, how, how's that going? I would say shockingly good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I say that and then like we went into the Miami game two and four and the Miami game was sold out and it wasn't like a sold out on paper. Like right. it was like sold out in person. Like every seat was taken. I was like, yeah. wow, for a two and four team, that's like really good. Before we continue, I want to take a quick second to tell you about our sponsor, Flatlands Jessup Insurance Group, that has our whole world covered with agents in five offices throughout Eastern North Carolina to help you decide how much coverage you need. Offering policies for home and auto, recreational vehicles, commercial, crop, health, life, and employee benefits. They are able to combine options to find a comprehensive solution that works for you. Flatlands Jessup protects the things you love so you can spend less time wearing and more time enjoying them. Find them on Facebook and Instagram at Flatlands Jessup. You can also visit their webpage at www.flatlandsjessup.com. So please make sure to go and check them out. Um, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I again, I, I that's why I really like your guys' fan base because it's very similar to ours. No matter the record out there. Um, I think both fan bases cherish that you only get six or seven of these events a year and that you're just going to go and enjoy it, whether it's the tailgate, whether it's the weather, whether it's just you love being there in uh, Lane Stadium. I, I, I really I really appreciate a, a loyal fan base, unlike some of the other schools in the ACC that shall remain nameless, but they kind of sound like our school. So two comments on that. So first off, the one issue we've had with the with our fans is like the students leave at halftime. And like, I don't know if I blame them because the football hasn't been very good. So it's like I, I, I kind of understand it. Like, I wish they would stay longer, but that that's been an issue. Sure. Um, and I'm glad you said the thing about NC State being like Virginia Tech, because I I feel the exact same way. Like, I love that NC State has like real football fans. Like they show up every week. They're loud. They're passionate. Yeah. Um, like they, they come to every game. Like I love that about NC state. And I also love about your program, like the chip on the shoulder. I feel like Virginia tech has a chip on the shoulder. Sure. I'm glad NC state like feels the same way. Like they never yeah. get the respect that they deserve. So I, I, I do feel like both programs are really similar. Just out of curiosity, have you ever come down to Carter Finley stadium? Not for a football game. I've definitely been to Raleigh and I've been on campus. I just haven't made it to like uh, a game there yet, but it's uh, it's on my list. I've, I feel like I've been to yeah, I've been to every other really road venue in North Carolina and the ACC. I've been at UNC, at Duke, 
um, at Wake Forest. I just haven't been to NC State yet. But gotcha. Yeah, I well, I mean, yeah, part of that is just what the way the divisions were set up. You know, yeah, they play they, once every they, fourteen years. Yeah, at home. Something. At home. Yeah. yeah. So it's like I'm I'm glad that's changing because I I haven't been to Lane Stadium either. So I'm I'm, yeah. I'm definitely gonna make a trip up there in the near future once they change the schedules. Yeah, yeah. I actually have been to Lane Stadium, but it wasn't to see state play. Um, I have a I have a coworker um, who went to Virginia Tech, um, and um, she she got her degree in forestry and now works for the Army. So I don't know how that works out, but whatever. Um, but they were playing Carolina, and so I came and rooted obviously for Virginia Tech, wearing my state gear, and then all the fans were like, "You're wearing the wrong color," and I'm like. So they didn't get the irony of what I was trying to pull off, but it was okay. Um, tech won, and that's all that mattered. But um, so, so <laughs> speaking of uh, of now the realignments and the doing away with the conference, uh, the uh, the divisions. Kind of, what are your thoughts on all of that um, from a Virginia Virginia Tech perspective? Obviously, you've I hate the term, but I'll just use it. You've been involved in coastal chaos since the beginning of divisions, but. I think it's coastal chaos because they most of the teams aren't very good and they just kind of create the chaos amongst themselves. But what are your thoughts on all of that? I'm happy about it in that like we actually got to play like a wider variety of like conference opponents. Yeah. Like like you said, like I think NC State's like a great football school and I would love to play NC State more, but like we play them like once every seven yeah. years or something and it's like Yeah. It, and it's only four hours away. Yeah. So it's, it's not crazy. a hard trip. Yeah. So I'm happy to see that change. I also am happy to see the divisions go away. And I know that sounds kind of weird from like a, a coastal division team. I, I just think that like it's made it very easy for Virginia Tech just to pardon the pun, but coast just because they know <laughs> that like the coastal's not that tough and you can be a pretty mediocre team and still yep. be in the coastal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think making it more difficult to make the championship game is actually going to help out and elevate the program. Sure. It's going to be much harder now without divisions to do that. Um, so, like, there's no more coasting. Like, if you actually, like, want to make a, a championship game, you actually have to have a good and legitimate football team, not just get there because every other team in your division has done it. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, I think Michael, I think it was you that found that, that tweet a couple of weeks ago about the average losses for, like, the coastal division versus yeah. the Atlantic. And I think it was – I think it was like almost three losses for the coastal and like just under two for the Atlantic during this whole period. So that speaks kind of what your point is, Dan. So I, I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited more for the um, just playing everybody. Like, cause you know, if you're a true fan of your program and like, you want to go explore these great cities in the ACC, I mean, there's a ton of great cities. You got Boston, Atlanta, um, you know, Blacksburg and Charlottesville and, and, um, you know, South Bend to a, to a degree, um, some great places to go hang out and explore. And, um, my goal is to get to every, every, um, ACC football stadium. Um, I'm about, I'm about two thirds of the way there. And, um, and if you're just a, a fan of football, I think, I think you're going to really enjoy the, the doing away of, of the divisions. Um, because like, there's nothing like, going to Blacksburg if you're a, even if you're an opposing fan going to see that entrance of, of inner Sandman I mean yeah. I I I witnessed it during the day and it was awesome I can only imagine for a night game how much more it's amped up what kind of what what does that do for you as a fan just watching that team come in and just like I, I mean like 
the stand, the stadium is literally rocking. I mean, like you can see like bends like in like the stand, like it's crazy. Like, so just talk to me about, about that. So like you mentioned the day game versus the night game, the day for the entertainment and during the day is like exciting. It's like, Oh yeah. cool. Like everyone's jumping up and down. The stadium's kind of shaking. Yeah. Like it, it's fun at night. It's scary. <laughs> like at, yeah. night, at night you're like, this is like a legit earthquake. Like there's like fireworks going off. Like, mm-hmm. like it's, mm-hmm. it's like a different vibe altogether. Um, it's still very cool. But like, if you're an opposing fan and you're there at night, you're like, what are we getting ourselves into right yeah yeah yeah. Um, it's about to get real (laughs) it's really fun though and if you're a college football fan you should definitely make it to blacksburg at some point because i understand man it's just a lot of fun it's like yeah really exciting time do you i mean do you know what like like what started that tradition just i i I mean i i I know it's been going on for quite a long time i mean did it just happen and then it it just went wild and then it just kind of stuck from there and they just kept kind of doing it and then they're like huh we got something here. So this is one of those situations where I kind of have my own history and like, here's how I remember it happening. <laughs> sure. And it could be wrong, like, but here's how I remember it. So I was a student from like 2001 through 2004, right? And the way I remember it is like they played under Sandman like during the 2000 season and it was like the entrance song, right? right. They would come out every day and people would get excited and they do the whole Let's Go Hokies and they'd be like screaming and everything. The team would come out, but it was just like a song in the entrance. The 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 night that I remembered that change was like the 2003 game against Miami, um, where we beat number number two Miami 31 to seven. Like that night, the vibe of Ender Sandman changed because that's when everyone started jumping yeah. up and down and going crazy, and the stadium was shaking. And then from that game on, like every game I remember from that night on, like they did the whole jumping up and down and like the stadium shaking and the whole thing. Gotcha. Um, so that that's how I remember the evolution of Ender Sandman. Um, if people like the band claims that they jumped before that game or whatever, and I'm, I'm sure that they did. I didn't really notice it, but that was the night that I remembered Ender Sandman actually being Ender Sandman. It just felt different that night, huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's pretty cool. So that's the one thing that, you know, he, we at Tuffy talk and we've kind of had the discussions and like, we're like, we want to have like some cool tradition, you know, um, you know, every, some of the schools, you know, like Ohio state with dotting the eye, um, you know, Iowa waving to the kids in the hospital, like just cool things, you know, um, Florida playing, uh, um, Tom Petty after the third quarter, I think some of those things, and there's more, obviously I'm just, you know, throwing a few out. I I really wish that somehow, you know, where's, we're a school that's been playing football over 130 years. Like, I can't imagine how we haven't figured out something like to get behind. Um, so anyway, if anyone from NC State's listening, let's come up with something. We we need uh, we need we need something for us to be known as because um, I think that just brings national relevance to your program too, right? Like, um, you, you know, I remember the, I think it was the, was it the Ohio State game where Metallica actually like was on the screen? Was that the the, the game they actually appeared on screen? I know, I know they were on one of the games. I thought it was a big game, but I, I can't remember if it was Ohio State. I, I feel like it was a Notre Dame game, but I maybe Notre Dame. Year, yeah, like twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. Yeah, it wasn't like too long ago. You're right. That you're right. Yeah, it was probably it was definitely more recent. But anyway, I just thought it was cool because then the band's like, all right, now we're in on it too. Like, um, you know, especially for a band that was all against Napster and all that stuff that they embraced you guys playing their song. But uh, anyway, let's get back to some real football here. Um. So um, before we jump in, one last question um, for you on this first part of the episode. 
up until this point, you know, you've kind of given, you know, your thoughts on the program. Where do you see, you know, obviously we're kind of about the halfway point of the season at this point. How do you feel with the second half of the schedule coming up for you guys? Because it, I think it gets a little easier, um, kind of, sort of. But, I mean, Duke's no slouch. You got Georgia Tech after us. Liberty just had a nice win yesterday against BYU. And then you got Virginia, which they're in shambles. Like, you guys think you guys are in a, in a bad spot right now. I think Virginia is almost as bad because um, they're breaking, obviously, their first head, first year head coach with Tony Elliott. But just kind of give me your thoughts on the second half of the season as, as it's going to break out with us and Georgia Tech and Duke, Liberty, and Virginia. So, like, let's start with the NC State game. I don't like it at all because, <laughs> like, our offense has issues to begin with. And I think that NC State has a pretty elite defense this year. So I don't like that combination. I think it's going to go badly for Virginia Tech, regardless of who's playing quarterback for NC State. I think it's kind of irrelevant. Like, I think your defense against our offense is just a major mismatch, and it's not going to go well for the Hokies. Um, after that, like, I see it, like, as four coin flip games. Uh, I, I like Virginia Tech's chances against Georgia Tech and UVA at home. I think they, they can get wins mm-hmm. there. Um, those two road games against Duke and Liberty. Uh, both those te- teams are looking better than I expected going into the season. So I'm a little bit concerned about them. Um, I do think that they're winnable. I think that if Tech shows up and plays well, they can get wins at both those places. But like just on the surface, like yeah. they look like pretty two pretty good teams. And playing on the road just makes them even harder. Yeah, Georgia Tech has definitely, um, since they got rid of Collins, they've kind of turned it around a little bit. Um, they've definitely been playing a lot harder and, and gotten a couple of wins um, uh, out of the last, like, I think, Got, I think they're like two and three or two and four out of their last couple of games. But um, yeah, I, so so it looks like you're saying probably four wins for for uh, Price first season is kind of what you're looking at. Four and eight, it's kind of yeah, uh, maybe maybe five, maybe I think five. Four safe, like five would be a little bit of a stretch. I don't know that they'll get to five, and I definitely don't think they're going to a bowl, so I wouldn't yeah. worry about a bowl game. Yeah, uh, but before seems like a safe bet. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, well, Wolfpack Nation, we're going to end it there. Um, just kind of, you know, gave a quick little teaser there. Dan gave us about the state game, but we're definitely going to break into that a lot more on episode two. Um, Dan, we'll we really appreciate you on here on episode one, and then we got all your uh, all your socials, so we'll definitely put those in. Um, but uh, Wolfpack Nation, hey, if you if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. Um, and while you're there, hit that bell for notifications so you see all of these great interviews that we're putting out for you. And if you're interested, we do have a, a members-only channel. Um, all that description is in, or that information will be in the description below. So uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up for episode one here, and we'll be back with episode two, and we'll break it down for you for this Thursday night's game at Carter Finley. All right, Wolfpack Nation, we'll see you in episode two. <laughs>